I wonder if Taylor Swift is starting to reconsider her life choices um, after that performance. Yeah, she should give um, it that, that Zach Wilson guy. <laughs> I think she's a bit too young for Zach Wilson's tastes. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. The sport's gone international and we had our first London game this week. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How was your holiday, Sean? Yeah, interesting. Uh, Barcelona is uh, an interesting place. It was quite warm. It was it got up to nearly 30 degrees by the end of it, which is not too bad for the end of September. But it's, uh, it's an interesting city. There's kind of lots of different things. You can have your like medieval winding streets pretty churches thing but if you just want to go to the beach you can just go to the beach if you want to do hiking in the hills you can do that as well um so it's pretty cool a lot of tourists though i if i was like one of these people who was like big on the authentic barcelona whatever i'd be quite pissed off because it's very hard to find it i think it's just it's very tourist orientated especially in the middle of the city but that was grand for a week it was nice it was a nice break yeah. did you pop out and see the new camp and all that stuff well, it's under construction. They, they, ah, uh, right, we, right. Went, we went to the Barcelona, the FC Barcelona Museum, which was interesting enough. Um, but they currently are under construction and they're playing their home games in the Olympic Stadium, which is not a football stadium. And there's a giant running track, which ruins the view. So we didn't see them play, but uh, I watched I watched some diggers dig some concrete. Uh, <laughs> it was, that was my Barcelona experience. Yeah. Very good. I've always wanted to go back. Actually, I haven't been to Barcelona since I was quite young. I did visit a new camp at that point, but uh, I was probably only about 10 or 12. So I always wanted to go back. Seems like a good one. But uh, I think most of the people I know who goes over go over for the music festival. And apparently it's an absolute nightmare during that. So let's see. I might just try and get in. I hear they've got a very, very cool natural history museum with like biomes in it or something. Uh, we didn't find out about that. The museums are, there's a lot of random museums. Uh, oh. We went to the Picasso Museum, was the one big one we went to, which is very interesting because he he's like, he's a big Barcelona guy, so he donated like 4,000 paintings to the city of Barcelona. Cool. Um, which is, yeah, that was cool. So this is just a nice roundabout way of saying, uh, if you miss another week, you're caught, Sean. <laughs> Real players play hard. I'm currently uh, down one tooth from an extraction earlier today, but I'm still here. Uh, Ronan has tricks in court. I, I should have phoned in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Called in our reporter on the ground in Spain. Uh, nothing so exciting. Uh, kind of pulling my pieces together for uh, our trip uh, this week, and uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, during the podcast. Uh, but other than that, just uh, relaxing. Yeah, it's pretty quiet at work, so uh, getting a chance to catch up on a few things I've been looking to get to. Yeah, I'm clearing out a few bits and pieces, similarly finishing up on Thursday, and we're heading over all four quarters goes to uh, the London NFL game. So we're going to the Bills-Jags, which um, we'll be discussing the, the, the Bills in a bit anyway. the uh, They're looking in fine form for the game. Uh, I'm just hoping the Jags are ready. I'm hoping the, the fact that the Jags are staying there and bedded in and used to the London stuff might provide a little bit of a balancer, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in our in our previews. Um, it kind of felt like for the first time it almost felt like a Jags home game uh, the last week on, which yeah. is in the dump off. So we're not going to talk about too much. But the, yeah, the crowd yeah. was good. the 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 stadium was really responding to the Jags players coming out and stuff. So it should be. Uh, should we, I'd imagine we'll see a lot of Bills fans uh, next week because when you think about the fans of in the UK, there's a lot of Dolphins fans from that kind of period they had in the late 80s, Bad Marino kind of time. But I, I'd imagine you similarly, because it was still on Channel 4 and everything during the 
Bills was it four yeah. Super Bowls without a win run? Jim yeah, Cameron. I remember it well. Uh, I am that old. Uh. <laughs> I remember seeing one or two of the Super Bowls at the time, and uh, yeah, being like, "Oh, these guys, they're back again. Oh, that's good." Uh, and then they, they never quite got it done. <laughs> Uh, hopefully not a portent of things to come. I suppose we'll swing in and get through the news. Uh, we'll start with crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Defensive end Chandler Jones has been released in Las Vegas as follows. Arrest for violating domestic violence protective orders and increasingly unusual stuff happening on his social media. So we mentioned this previously that he had a moment where he's like locked out from the facility's training grounds and started going off at ownership over to this then was explained away by saying that he hadn't turned up for a few days uh, and it was kind of a management call. Uh, he was then away from the team for a bit, went out of communication and then started posting stuff on Instagram and uh, on, uh, live and stuff about, uh, I, I believe he was claiming that uh, there was it that McDaniels had Hernandez killed in jail was one of the accusations amongst a number well, of other ones. That was more the implication that the social media took and ran with. He, I think all he said was that you know, people in his chat said, oh, Aaron Hernandez presumably alluded to the idea that he killed, that he did kill himself. Mm. And he basically said, oh, that's what people believe. No way. Like, he didn't say no way. He basically seemed to have some kind of emotional breakdown uh, live and then cut the stream. Mm. Um, obviously, this follows a bunch of all cap social media stuff. And we talked a few weeks ago, but uh, it kind of been a very worrying situation. Um, obviously, breaking a domestic violence protective order is not good. And uh, we obviously need to make sure that all people are, are safe in these types of situations and i think for las vegas i think they basically cut him in like a friday news dump um so i think you know that the, what we'd be expecting which is he was leaving the team has already happened but given this type of situation and his increasingly on well it looks like unstable mental state uh, i would be surprised if he was playing nfl in any near future scenario yeah, uh, so hopefully he'll be able to get himself a bit of help for whatever's going on with him at the moment. But uh, yeah, so that's Chandler Jones released from Las Vegas and probably not going to see him at any time this year at the earliest anyway. Uh, we've had some extensions, or an extension really. The Rams have extended tight end Tyler Higby a three-year $27 million contract. Not bad money. Um, Higby's kind of been a bit of a staple for them. Uh, as we said, they've kind of, you know, they don't have a lot of people on that roster. They have a couple of very highly paid top-end stars. So probably good to keep some of the core together particularly given that they're kind of doing better than we were expecting and uh higby will presumably then act as kind of tight ends are always a good one for if they bring in new quarterbacks to kind of refresh the regime down the line he might still be there and that uh but yeah no not, not bad business given the prices that some tight ends were getting in the market there uh coming towards the end of the off season yeah like this would put him squarely in kind of the middle class free agent type contract as you say they don't not really spending money on much of their roster at the moment and so locking up a veteran who's always a good presence, but on and off the field, uh, makes sense to just kind of keep that going. And he's obviously would be pretty valuable, even if they end up do moving on from Matt Stafford in the next couple of years as a good tight end is usually good uh, safety blanket for any quarterback that comes in. Yeah, we've had a couple of injuries though. So Sean, you might want to cover your ears for these. Uh, New England have lost edge rusher Matt Judon to a bicep tear. He's out indefinitely and is probably gone for the season. He's talked possibly about maybe being able to come back, but we're not sure whether that would be possible or depending on how the season... Well, that's the thing. Depending <laughs> on the season goes, like whether it would make sense at all. And the kind of 
upcoming star, I would say, Christian Gonzalez, who's played very well for them, the defensive back selected in the first round this year. Uh, he has injured his shoulder and he's out indefinitely at the moment as well. Uh, we'd imagine probably a minimum of three or four weeks, but we don't have any confirmation on that. So it's a, it's a tough break for a New England team that so far this year hasn't shown much beyond its defense, Sean. Yeah, if you wanted to list like the two players the Pats probably couldn't afford to lose for the rest of the season, it would be Judon and Gonzalez. Uh, Judon obviously is the star of that defense and has been since he came over a few years ago. Explosive plays, sacks all over the place. The, the guy who, when Balachik needs to, to shake things up, he's the guy who does it. And Gonzalez, I've been talking about him. Uh, already on this part, of, even though he's only played three or four games, he's uh, was kind of out as the as the num- that great number one cornerback that all the best Pats defenses had. He was starting to fill into that role. So without them, it's going to be interesting to see. Once Gonzalez went out, the Cowboys and uh, uh, maybe Fitz will talk about this. Once once the in the dump off, once Gonzalez went out, the Cowboys kind of start to rip into the Pats secondary in a big way. So you'd be worried about the depth there um, and. I mean, it's it's if this de- if this defense, which is about the only thing that's really holding the Pats in games at the moment, if that starts to underperform in the division that they're in, it could be a very ugly season altogether. Um, unless unless Mac Jones stops making stupid decisions, uh, they're going to struggle to win games if they don't have a defense that can turn things around for them. Now, the argument, of course, is that Belichick is, is the reason that defense is so good, so he'll just find other pieces around it. And you can maybe make the case that they'll probably find a, a cornerback that they can put a lot of responsibility on. But someone like Judon is, I think, irreplaceable. He is an X-factor type uh, edge rusher, um, of which you, it's kind of very much an individual talent uh, and not a system-based thing. So they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle big time to, to get past this and I'm not optimistic. Whatever optimism I had about the season is, is kind of ebbed away quite a bit by these two and the bad results uh, at the weekend as well. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo, obviously, you know, showing that the week one hiccup was just a hiccup, have proceeded to, you know, look incredibly dominant. We'll be talking about the Miami game whenever we come to the game reviews. But they have had to place uh, defensive back Tredavious White out for the season. He's injured his Achilles and he's gone. He's a, kind of a linchpin in the back end. And uh, yeah, not really. It's never the right time of the season to have this happen. But whenever you're starting to turn a corner, you get a big win over a divisional rival. Everyone's hyping up and then you lose a player like this. That's got to hurt your chances in the long run. Yeah, like, look, Trey White, he's a great player. He was kind of one of the first kind of big pieces they brought in to improve that defense uh, under McDermott. The secondary had always been an issue. The strength of their defense is probably more up through the middle and their linebacker and safety core, and they've got some decent people up front as well. So it's definitely a loss, but they have had to, unfortunately, over the last two or three years, adjust to life without Trey White. He missed the whole season with an ACL tear a couple of years ago. So they're obviously used to it, but it is a step down for their defense. So they'd obviously hope to be able to adjust and move on but uh yeah important player but probably something that they can work around given the defensive personnel they have yeah and green bay offensive lineman david bakhtiari is injured his knee he's gone likely for the season there's some talks about retirement you'll remember we talked about him in previous weeks uh discussing about possibly only playing on grass surfaces in future and so on so i would i would imagine this is probably a retirement level thing. He has been going for quite some years. He's been a stalwart of that team. Uh, you might see him in in, uh, in New Jersey next year. Who knows? They do seem to like to pick up everyone from Green Bay that they can. But um, yeah, it's been a good long story career from bad injury here. But uh, I'd say this is probably the end of him. Yeah, like you never want to 
dismiss uh, you know someone's possibility of playing going forward but he did try to come back this year after having a bunch of injuries over the last two or three years and we, we went, referenced the reports in week two that he wasn't willing to play in week two partially because it was played on turf and that might be a higher risk for uh, re-aggravating the injury but yeah like it, it just feels like it's kind of a situation where it'll definitely be considered but given that he's an all pro type left tackle when he has been healthy you'd imagine that if he can play at all teams will continue to give him offers so it's really really up to himself whether he wants to continue to play or not obviously we hope to he's been a great player uh someone who was potentially on a hall of fame trajectory um if these injuries hadn't come in but uh yeah very unfortunate where he happens to be now yeah, we've had a couple of smaller injuries around the league. I'd say smaller, just kind of not necessarily as impactful immediately. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense are going to look a little bit different, probably. Kenny Pickett has a knee bruise. He's week to week, but that means he probably is going to miss week five as Pittsburgh have a bye week coming up, and that will give him two weeks to rest. Uh, they've also got their tight end, Pat Fermuth, who's injured his hamstring, so he's out for two to three weeks. This is a Pittsburgh offense that's not really gotten going this year, so uh, we'll have to see. I believe it's uh, Mitch Trubisky that's in behind him i would have even if it hadn't been for the injury to pick it be wondering if this team would have looked at maybe swapping things up a quarterback a little bit anyway given how his play has been so i think maybe not the worst thing for them to get an excuse to put mitch trubisky out there and see what they've got see if he could be a slightly more stable hand for them well they kind of tried that last year for most of the seat well a fair amount of the season and it didn't really look much better uh, yes. under with Mitch Titties Trubisky. So I don't know how much of a an ex, like how much you learn by putting him out there. But like, look, it's a it's a it's an injury. I think it's similar to one that Kelsey had where he missed week one. So I don't see why they take any risks. And as you say, maybe just a week off, more time in the film room, kind of clean up this stuff. Maybe fire Matt Canada uh, might uh, help get things back on track when he comes back after the bye. Uh, like don't, like I know they had a really bad loss this week, but they still are two and two. So very much in the thick of it in terms of like a playoff type hunt. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati wide receiver T. Higgins has injured his ribs. He's out for one to three weeks. Uh, Devontae Adams, the Vegas wide receiver, has injured his shoulder and he's week to week. Teron Armstead, Miami's offensive tackle, has hurt his knee and he's out from one to four weeks. LA Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert has but a flesh wound in his own words. It's a finger injury. It's day to day. So I believe it's a fracture in the finger, but it's his non-throwing hand. And yeah, I think uh, a bit of nail issue as well. Which is yes, some kind of really horrible nail issue where he's lost the most of the nail. And Rams quarterback Matt Stafford is injured his hip. He's week to week. He's expected to play through and did play through uh, during the game. So uh, these are like not not see, not not season enders for any of these people. Uh, Cincinnati, you gotta wonder with how that season is going. Whether you know T Higgins being out will presumably only make that offense look worse. Maybe it's time to give Burrow a break for a week or two and let him come back fully from that leg thing because he's not looked himself either and vegas like Devonte adams the last years of his prime are being wasted here in this offense like yeah like t higgins is a it's a pretty big loss albeit in an offense which is so dysfunctional he hasn't really been a major factor so far but yeah if if joe burrow is to get healthy whether that be just hopefully week on week or be getting some rest time uh you'd want t higgins to be in there if they have any chance of turning this thing around in the latter half of the season and getting into that playoff hunt uh, Devontae Adams, he played through it in the game, but he basically said afterwards like he was in a lot of pain. So you'd wonder once the adrenaline wears off and yeah. he goes through this week whether he'll be able to play. It makes me think of that. Week. Was it Romeo Dubs who had the shoulder injury three mm. weeks ago, played through it and then just had to take a week off? Like, Yeah, so we'll, we'll see on him. Teron Armstead's actually probably 
I would say almost the most critical of these. Miami's obviously a bad loss this week, but very much in the uh, kind of top of the AFC playoff hunt. Um, uh, but what we've seen in recent year or like last year was that when Teron Armstead was out of the offensive line, uh, the amount of hits the two was taking went up dramatically. Um, so you'd obviously have concerns about that, especially since there was some evidence of that happening already in the game just gone by. Um, so that's one to keep an eye on. Just does Tua's sack numbers go up? Um, does it become more erratic? Uh, does he need to use more of his judo chops to uh, get out of situations, as it were? And uh, yeah, I think Herbert and Stafford, they'll both play through the pain. Stafford's obviously famous for playing through the pain, um, though uh, hip issues are, are definitely a concern. He did say it was quite painful. Uh, and for Herbert, yeah, it just sounds... Uh, kind of grisly uh but he'll be able to play through it uh but i assume he'll might be able to play under center next week after uh, giving the finger some rest Mm. yeah so that's kind of a wrap-up of the uh bits of injuries so i suppose we'll spawn over and we'll have a look at the games from last week so first up um i think this was the one that we were saying was the big one to watch miami at buffalo a red hot miami team uh coming in to try and take on the who had been the cream of their division for the last three years, Buffalo Bills. We all, I believe, shaded the, the the Dolphins to do this, but Buffalo said, no, 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 sit back down there, little man. We're still the big dogs in this division. 48 to 20. Uh, Allen looked absolutely fantastic in this one. 337 yards, five touchdowns. Like, it was just pretty much utter domination in it. Diggs at 120 yards and three touchdowns. The defense stepped up. They had an interception, a fumble, four sacks, five tackles for a loss. Two and the guys, like, they started out fine. I think it was the first two or three drives all had scores on them. And, like, it looked like it was just gearing up to be a proper slobber knocker, high score, like, Chiefs Rams, three or four, actually, that's four or five years ago at this stage, actually, kind of game. But then the, uh, the, Bill's defense kind of started to step up, started shutting them down. They just weren't able to get a huge amount going. Uh, they still had some explosiveness in their game, but it was mostly coming out of the running backs. Uh, A-Chain had a massive day again, 120 yards and two touchdowns, kind of pushing for more and more of the ball in that backfield that is quite crowded with a lot of talented people. Fangio's defense, unfortunately, just didn't look up to scratch in this one. This is what we've been talking about on this podcast for the last couple of weeks coming into the season and up to now saying that the problem with Miami is the back end of this defense. The defensive back safeties are not particularly strong. They obviously have some injuries in that spot as well, but like that was where they could be exposed. And like we said, Allen kind of relatively at, at, at ease, five touchdowns, like they, he was able to just find holes in it consistently. And that's something they're going to have to be able to fix whenever they come up against better teams, because pretty much all the top of the AFC have good quarterback play in them and have receivers that can like, you know win one-on-one matchups. So that's going to be a problem for them down the line. They're going to need to focus in on that. And possibly it might be a spot where this Miami team is gearing up so nicely. They might consider putting a little bit of resources in as we come kind of closer. I think we're four weeks out from the trade deadline towards picking up a piece or two for that for that uh, defensive backfield. Uh, and obviously they will be hoping to have their big names are returning later on this season as well. Uh, for Buffalo, uh, a great performance fills you with a lot of hope obviously the loss of Tredavious White is going to be a problem down the line but they win at home against the divisional rival who everyone's been hyping up as being the, the potential contender to them uh, given the other ones have fallen off and for Miami they looked alright they just weren't quite up to scratch like 
I, I, I don't think they can blame any factors other than their defense was outclassed and their offense, once it wasn't being given what it wanted to do initially, didn't really have the second and third answers to the test. Yeah, if, if you were having an argument about someone about the chances this Dolphins team have of winning the Super Bowl this year and you were opposing that argument, as it were, that you just you just dump this game film on the table and be like, this is the problems that this Dolphins team have. They have a very weak defense, uh, especially in the rarefied air they're going to find themselves uh, in, in terms of, you know, top end of the AFC looking at a Super Bowl. They, I think they're bottom 10 in both run and pass. Certainly the, the pass defense, as you talked about, has, has an awful lot of issues. You've got to worry that kind of weakness is going to cost them down a stretch. In this game, it almost wasn't as much the secondary, although they weren't in trouble. It, there was also just a, a real lack of pressure up front. Josh Allen had just had so much time to do things. Uh, and I think that's why he had such a good game, because when Josh Allen has time to make decisions and he, he's in a comfortable zone, he's going to absolutely murder you because he's a really talented quarterback. The way to get at him is, is to force him into making panic decisions or, or, or quicker decisions that he'd like. And that's where you kind of get the errors and the turnovers and the such like. So the Dolphins just didn't really do anything to this Bills. The Dolphins defense didn't do anything at all to this Bills offense, didn't challenge them in any way uh, at, at all, which has got to be a worry as, as the main thing. Um, secondarily, as you said, the, this issue with the offense, it did quite well. I mean, you we have to, we have to be relative here in terms of our, our critique. They, they got almost 400 yards against the ranked number two defense in the league. And they, they certainly had some success in the running game, for example. But you do worry about what happens when plan A is taken away from them. What do they do? The Bills focused specifically on taking Hill and Waddle out of the game, taking out the speed options, forcing Tua to make decisions, forcing Mike McDaniel to come up with some other kinds of solutions. And they did okay, but they didn't do great. And when you have a defense that is as worryingly porous as the Dolphins have doing okay but not great is not good enough when you're facing one of the best teams in the league so all of the problems that we've talked about the Dolphins having uh, a great offense but maybe they they don't have a plan b and a worryingly uh, a weak defense in certain parts have, were utterly exposed and they just got blown apart by a team that hasn't looked amazing this season but definitely produced its best performance um, of the year. And the Bills, you've you got to tip their hat to them. They stepped up against their main rivals when they were needed to do. Divisional games are always tough because everyone knows each other very well. The Dolphins were the team with momentum and form and hype and the Bills just annihilated them. They went out there with a clear defensive game plan, completely stifled the dynamic Dolphins offense with loads of different looks, loads of rotations, were really performed really well on one-on-one -on -one defense, forced the Dolphins to do other things, and they couldn't. Uh, great game for Gregory Russo. I, I, was just, I was very impressed by this defense more than anything else that they were able to just find an answer to an offense which teams have been really struggling against um, this season. And then on the offensive side, it was just... It was the best performance of Josh Allen from uh, this season so far. And if he plays like this, this this kind of Josh Allen performance is why people still want to talk about the Bills as a championship caliber team. Because if he plays like this, the Bills are going to be very hard to beat. When he doesn't make mistakes and he does his, he just lets his talent do the talking and doesn't try to force things, they score a lot of points. And it, it always helps when someone like Stefan Diggs, who you know they haven't had the best relationship, seems to be looking comfortable in the system again and everything seems to be smoothed out in that regard. So... 
you know, you come out of this as the Bills, you've got to be really happy about where this team is, but worried about the level of consistency. Why couldn't they do this against the Jets? Why do they always seem to have these kind of games but can't produce it on, on, a, on a weekly basis? Um, but you've got to be positive and optimistic about where things are going with the Dolphins. Great season so far, but you've got to start fixing these problems because once... If a team like Buffalo has started to expose this, now suddenly there's a blueprint out there of how you get at the Dolphins. It's going to be interesting to see in the next few weeks if either A, they try and change things up about how they do things or bring in personnel, or B, if teams are just going to start targeting uh, the Dolphins the way that the Bills did. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a real watershed moment for the Dolphins in terms of the season going ahead. If they want to do really well, you know, get deep in the playoffs, they've got to solve these problems and they've got to solve them quickly. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's kind of the, the face of it. I think Buffalo came out here and did a really good job on both sides of the ball. You saw Josh Allen going, you know, full Josh Allen power. And I think, like, look, like Josh Allen, we have no doubts that he's able to beat teams like a drum. He's done that plenty of times in his career. It's obviously those close games or those uh, critical games where, where there's been issues, albeit, you know, being non-clutch is maybe a bit unfair for a guy who only you know, lost a couple of years ago to a 13-second Patrick Mahomes strike. But anyway, that's it, it's obviously going to be an issue. But this was not the game where that mattered because Buffalo, uh, once the early innings was over, just absolutely dominated here. I think in particular, Stefan Diggs just was absolutely beating the crap over the, the, the backup. Uh, well, he's technically their starting nickel, but their uh, backup outside corner, who um, he got beat a number of times, including basically uh, a nice little swivel play by Diggs where he got away from him and went for plenty of yards after the catch for the touchdown. So he day for to forget for him. And obviously Fangio, his system generally puts the, the guys outside on the corner, or sorry, oh, out by themselves there to do their job. And Xavier Howard's pretty good, but obviously, yeah, they'll probably want to have you know, uh, get some people back and, and make that better uh, later on with Jalen Ramsey uh, if he's back in December, which is what they're hoping for. I think for Miami, I think the big thing is the Buffalo defense didn't fall for the eye candy. This is the biggest movement-based offense in the league. You saw a team last week in Denver who just weren't prepared for that, where you saw hesitation, where they, you know, where they didn't know what was happening and they were reacting instead of, you know, acting. And they got absolutely hammered here. But you see here in Buffalo, a well-drilled defense under McDermott who's doing a solid job so far this year. You see the value of having veteran guys like Matt Milano and Micah Hyde be able to clean up on the back end. And the front end was getting a decent amount of pressure as well. And Von Miller still to come back so that could even become even more of a strength as we go down here so i think for buffalo after what was such a, a you know, horrible week one to lose in a game like that against zach wilson uh, to get back on track like this the last three weeks in the kind of crescendo here is a really good sign as we come to like the quarter point of the season but we want to see them build on this we want to see them to continue to excel and we certainly want to see them win some of the closer games that will almost certainly occur as they go forward but kind of making a statement getting all those haters and all the people saying miami are the best team at all the time on offense uh putting them back in their box i'm sure it'll be uh, a good week <laughs> for all of the buffalo fans there including uh, marcus he's a listener uh but i think for miami the offense like you definitely don't want to see two getting more to run Armstrong's going definitely going to be an issue and you know i think just buffalo made to a tink and that's something he hasn't had to do the first three weeks if he has to think and hold the ball that's where the risk comes in that's where they had issues last year we'll see if other defenses learn from what buffalo did here and start making that a regular occurrence uh, and the miami defense fangio's defense uh, the fangio system has taken over the league over the last couple of years you do wonder after his sabbatical does he have something fresh to offer i don't think they're a bad defense necessarily and obviously as they say they're missing pieces but you know i think the league has adjusted to what that defense was designed to to take away which was the big play uh you see here buffalo was uh josh allen was fairly uh wasn't taking the big shots until those kind of came around a lot of it was based on yak and running himself you'd wonder you know the defense is fine but is it the kind of 
game-breaking unit it was when, when everyone was about Patrick Mahomes and his deep balls and stuff like that. So, you know, interesting times ahead for Miami. I think both these teams will, will almost certainly be in the playoffs and hopefully having good games like this, but uh, certainly advantage Buffalo after a tough week one. Yeah. Uh, next up, Washington at Philadelphia. We got another overtime game, and I don't think this is one that anyone was massively expecting to go this far. Uh, 31 to 34 in overtime to Philadelphia. They grind out the overtime win with a field goal. As we see, Hertz having a decent but not flawless game, 353 yards and two touchdowns, with Brown having 175 and two of those touchdowns. Uh, like It was enough to claw back from an early deficit, but this was to be honest, more of a showcase for Washington than anything else. Howell looked pretty good, 330 yards and a touchdown, even with the pressure that this Philadelphia defense kind of generates close to them. Uh, he had a fantastic like final touchdown drive to get them to overtime in this game. It did feel like there was a bit of mismanagement from their side in the midsection where they were ahead and they could have maybe managed that a little bit better and they allowed the Eagles to claw their way back into the game. And then at the tail end, kind of the, the, the quality showed out. But the positives to look at in this is Washington's defense is definitely looking closer to how we were expecting it to look. Like their their defensive line is really showing the pedigree. They are doing better in the back end than I was expecting them to do, to be honest, even though there was no interceptions in this game. Uh, it's been a solid unit and the offense looked a little bit more, after its hiccup last week, looked a little bit more like what we'd seen two weeks ago where they were getting more guys open. They were schemed quite well and they seem to be quite effectively drilled. Like it, you know, sometimes when you see these performances, it can be very scrappy running around, getting lucky and stuff, whereas this seemed to be kind of just well schemes they've built it so it's not too much on how to have to do at the line and everything and it seems to be working pretty well uh for philly this is a shaky uh, performance now you'd, you'd you'd expect to have a few of these every year and you also particularly expect to have them when you're in division and so on but like i think coming into this we were expecting philly who've looked like a top end team for most of the season to come in and kind of put the clamps on them particularly after washington's performance last week so i would have expected a lot more out of them in this we saw hearts running a good bit in this game as well from time to time using it well but again that's not the type of offense that they've been wanting to build uh, and i'd like to see them get back towards the the, the air game less than putting as much on Hertz shoulders yeah, like it wasn't an amazing performance by the the Eagles by any stretch. And to be fair, this entire season, I don't think they've had a performance where you go, "Oh, that's like the Eagles dominating like they did back at the end." But they're they obviously, you know, won every game that they've been involved with. And the things that they're good at, they're extremely good at. Their defensive line is an absolute menace. Uh, they had five uh, sacks here, five tackles for a loss. And the interior of their line in particular is just actually just a little bit scary. Um, now, it was actually the edge guys. I think there was a few linebacker blitzes that got the actual sacks. But, you know, you have to be very scared. Like when Fletcher Cox looks like your third best defensive li- interior defensive lineman because uh, the two young guys are having such a, a ball, it feels like every uh, down. And you and I think that's a testament to Howell. I'll talk about in a moment to how much he managed to kind of keep things under control despite that pressure. Um, but, like, that is a really big strength for the team. And the rest of the defense continues to be okay but you see obviously if you give up 30 points you can't exactly take the the roses and say that, that that everything is well and then on the offense it's been very up and down right like they're like i think they're scoring enough points to win obviously uh but you're not seeing kind of maybe the consistency that you saw towards the say the back half of last year and interestingly you know that that kind of mirrors what they did last year or uh, when they first like i'd say four or six weeks they weren't that consistent and then they kind of figured things as they went along they went more deep balls to aj brown and stuff like that and now you're seeing like aj brown has broke out the last two weeks uh, shout out to ian uh, 
trade with Keane in one of the leagues we're in uh, that, that's working out for that. Um, it's it's definitely working in the same way it's working last w- year, but you're kind of wondering, okay, what's the next evolution? What's the next step? Because we all know that against the, the big teams in the playoffs, you're going to have to have extra uh, arrows in, in, in the bow. And, you know, I think the run game going forward has been really good. So Washington did manage to tamp that down. So DeAndre Swift and all that kind of stuff is a good sign, I would say, overall. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, at, at at the edge when they are basically still requiring their touch push stuff to work and you know uh, for the people who say ban the touch push basically no one else runs it well like the eagles albeit maybe because they do it slightly illegally uh, although the washington i think had their own illegal move anyway there was a there was an there was an everyone was awfully awfully early start by that left guard yeah and i think the 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 washington defenders actually touching the ball yeah (laughs) like one of their hands is in the neutral zone like it was yeah it was just a mess like yeah so that 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 play is becoming its own little like middle story but the the eagles do it the best of anyone and the the referees because it's such a scrum it's gonna be hard for them to really referee it properly by by the way just as an aside can we agree on the podcast that we're gonna just keep calling it the tush push and we're not going because they're they're currently they're currently trying to call it the brotherly shove and they can get fucked it's no. a it's a it's a generic if you if you di- if you did it in the Super Bowl like you know the Philly special type of thing you can get to call it what you want but uh, not when you've been doing it for like twenty times in a row and other teams are trying it uh, less successfully. Yeah, well, it's look, like Philly are... patent law. It's, it's public. It's public. Uh, it's public access. Now. Public domain, baby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But Philly are kind of hard because Philly, you know, they're playing well, they're winning games, but they're not quite at the level. Like it's more of an expectations problem because they were so good last year. They're not quite at that level. But of course, they have the rest of the season to get better, and they did get better last year, so you'd expect them to do so. As for Washington, I think after last week when they got absolutely blown out by Buffalo, what you didn't want to see was any more regression. And I think the big thing here is Howell had a really good game. He was still making some big plays, but more importantly, he was keeping the ball away from the Philadelphia uh, defensive backs, who we know could be opportunistic. He was taking what was available there. And in the uh, final drive of the game, uh, in, in regular in, 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 in regular time, you know, he takes them down the field, he scores a touchdown on a clock beater uh, touchdown to Johan Dotson and that's the kind of thing you want to see now obviously you would love to have won the game but getting to OT in those type of circumstances that's the stuff you, you really want to see from your young quarterback and really gives you hope that this guy might actually be the real deal he's not just another uh, Taylor Heineke he's not perfect by any stretch but I think you see with the tools he has and he's working well within the system um, that more often than not, I think he's going to be a net positive, net negative. Um, it will be, and I think, you know, obviously there'll be games where they can hopefully run the ball a little better. Robinson's been pretty good this third year, but I think that's the big thing. Like, I think going this year, expectations are so low that the see Sam Howell actually see to grow into what we kind of got a preview of last year in that Dallas game at the end of last year is a really positive development for a team where, look, I, I think there'll still be a temptation to go for a quarterback in the draft next year, but I think Howell is definitely asking the kind of questions which means that he could be a starter for a while here. Like, the defense is also better than, you know, uh, it was last year for long times. So it's, it's coming at least a factor here, albeit obviously give up 34 points here. Uh, but I think at least that's... a net positive as well just the vibes around Washington are much more positive I think they have a hope uh, for for with via Howell and the defense coming together and maybe they can build this into being like a wild card type team certainly given the the, the the roster in the NFC that's definitely a possibility and that would be the kind of thing that could keep Rivera his job and maybe they can build on that going forward yeah the commanders have suddenly became sneakily interesting like that they've really come out of nowhere to look like an interesting team that's worthy of examination um, as Fizzle said, Sam Howell, he looks a lot better than I thought he would be. 
he needs to find some consistency maybe, but certainly as a as an upgrade on on someone like Taylor Heineke, he he looks he looks like a good pick and a, and a good gamble has paid off. Obviously, the Commanders could have gone somewhere else for the quarterback, but decided to stick with this unknown, effectively a rookie, and it seems to have paid off. Now, I, I think a part of that, I think you can can give credit to Eric Bieniemy for that. I think we are starting to see a little bit of the Bieniemy influence now that the the offense is starting to adapt to the situation. I think. Benemy learned an awful lot uh, about the after the Buffalo game and started to adapt the offense to throw less and run more and to be more you know strategic about what he does and it seems to have uh, definitely worked out here. They scored 31 points against what is a very good uh, defense. If I'm Washington though, I'm actually I am slightly worried about the defense. I know everyone's talking about oh the defense is back there they're getting back to 2020 levels. Um, this is the third straight week where they've conceded at least 30 points um, and albeit two of those were. Uh, Philly and Buffalo, but the third one was Denver. So you gotta be worried a little bit about, you know, how much they are giving up. The, the, there's a lot of hype around this defense. I'm not necessarily sure that they aren't dis, a disappointing uh, outfit so far this year. That the defensive line, particularly, is not as dominating as it really ought to be, given the talent that they have um, there. So the offense seems to be clicking a bit, and maybe that's a coaching thing because the offense seems to be clicking a bit more. Than we the talent level would expect us to, whereas the defense is not clicking quite as much as the talent level would expect us to. But again, a lot better and a lot more interesting than we thought they would be. I was not expecting to be talking about this team at all this year. Um, so to have them two and two and looking a little bit spicy is an interesting uh, change. In terms of Philly, I still think it still looks like a work in progress. They're not quite where they were last year. Uh, AJ Brown's having a good season, and I think he's getting a little bit of consistency. I think this is like the first time he's had back-to-back 100-yard games or something like that. So it's starting to come together on that end. But they haven't; they're not quite where they were last year. But as Ronan said, they weren't quite where they were last year at the start of last year either. Um, defensively, yeah, they look quite strong up front. They maybe not as strong in the secondary. There's maybe a little bit of depth problems that they have at the secondary level. Like if if Sam Howell can expose them, then you might start to get a little bit worried about that i still have an inkling the cowboys might actually be the best team in this division but philly are definitely if not quite at the level they were last year they're definitely upper end of the nfc and they'll be they'll be in say the they'll expect to see them in the the divisional round at the very least if not in the nfc championship game but maybe not quite where they were last year but coming from this game i'm a lot more interested in washington more watching more washington games and maybe a little bit less interested in washington eagles until they start to get exciting and dynamic again now, next up, our second overtime game, the Rams at the Indianapolis Colts, 29-23 to in overtime. Uh, Stafford, as we mentioned in the news, had taken a bit of a battering in this one. Uh, he had 333 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter because he's got Puka Nakua, who is absolutely phenomenal to watch. He had 163 yards and a touchdown that was the touchdown to get the overtime win. Uh, Rams were out to a very fast start in this uh, 23 to nothing lead. Uh, now, they were leaning on their ground game a bit. They seem to be doing just fine sans cam acres with Williams getting over 100 on the ground and two touchdowns. But following that lead, they just kind of stalled out a little bit. And Richardson, who was kind of back from his concussion industry uh, injury, which uh, also, by the way, good to see he finished out this game without an injury this time around. So more long may that continue. He had 256 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he showed off a couple of phenomenal throws with his arm and a lot of athleticism in the comeback. But unfortunately, due to the 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 updated overtime rules that are they only apply to the playoff game so he never actually got the ball at all in the overtime uh 
It was a hard thing performance from Indianapolis, seeing them kind of face the adversity, overcome it, be able to push themselves all the way up to the end and get into overtime and everything. It's a pity they weren't able to to seal the deal. This is a good performance from the Rams, but it seems, I don't know why, but it feels like we were saying this last year about them as well, like just inconsistency, even in games where they did okay, they would have a half of good football versus a full game of good football and I don't know if that's a depth thing or what because I know that they do have quite a thin roster and a lot of young guys on it but like they took their eye off the ball and this shouldn't if you're up 23 to nothing you shouldn't have to get into overtime to win a game you know um yeah it was it, it's good like we we, we, we kind of had it last week or the week beforehand, our bit of mea culpa, the, the Rams are definitely better than we thought they were going to be. Indianapolis are also definitely more together than I think a lot of people were. I think we were a little bit higher on them in the, in, in the preseason, or I was anyway. But like, this is an Indianapolis team that is probably outperforming the talent that's on the roster at the moment and is doing quite well. Richardson is really kind of settling in a lot quicker than I thought he would settle in. Uh, he seems to be kind of, I, I thought it would take a couple more games for him to get used to it. And the news seems to be that, uh, that uh, the running back is now more amenable to coming back to the team. I think given that he realized he doesn't really have many other options and he, doesn't he can't really miss too many more games if he wants to accrue a season Plus, that they're not actually shit so he's probably yeah they're also not terrible so he might be interested again so if they are then able to add him in and he's healthy this is quite an exciting dynamic indianapolis offense it could be uh quite fun to watch um but yeah from the rams good win good job in overtime shouldn't have had to be in overtime given how the game script was running for indianapolis showed great heart quite exciting to watch like we said before before the season richardson even if he wasn't going to be a fantastic quarterback was going to be really entertaining to watch he showed he's actually quite able to play at this level and is still incredibly exciting he will still make some boneheaded moves and stuff for you and sometimes won't see the field fully but yeah indianapolis surprisingly good crack to watch yeah, I think if we'd picked this game out randomly from the pot before the season, we might have went, ugh, I don't want to watch that. But uh, oh, I yeah, think what we sure. got was a surprisingly fun, interesting game between two teams that are uh, at different stages of their development, but which are both playing uh, much better football than they perhaps have any right to be. I think for the Rams, like, look, obviously you give up a 23-point lead, that's never a good sign. And they had a couple of missed field goals, which made their uh, job uh, no easier. Uh, but look, the key turning point was that Stafford suffered that injury to his hip in the middle of the third quarter and they obviously struggled a lot more uh, down the stretch to just close this game out obviously given the injury i imagine mcveigh and stafford uh, were going to play things close to their chest regardless uh, given the scoreline but that injury probably meant it and then you just saw anthony richardson be able to chip and chip away with it but once you go back to overtime and the ball into stafford's hand and it's a must-win moment um suddenly puka nakua starts showing up he has a big play in the first uh play of the game of the drive and then he has obviously the touchdown as well and puka nakua is on on record setting pace not rookie record pace setting pace actual just record setting pace i think he has the most yards in the first four games ever yep um and coincidentally the two people below him also happened to uh, play with uh matt stafford uh cooper cup and uh, calvin johnson uh so matt stafford good good to be a wide receiver uh uh, with Matt Stafford when he's healthy, uh, or even when he's not healthy. Well, as remember, as like his, his nickname was Stat Padford. Like, <laughs> yeah. So Puka Nakua is looks like a superstar already. He's already 
basically filling, I suppose, the Cooper Cup role. Um, and you'd wonder if Cooper Cup comes back and when he comes back, like, what is this offense going to look like then? Is it going to take another step up when you have both these guys that Matt Stafford seems to have kind of telepathic, um, you know, understanding with? How are defenses going to be able to kind of focus in on that? And then you have some, like, dy- dynamic elements like uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, who've done pretty well in the early goings. Uh, Kyron Williams has been pretty good at the running back position. And yeah, just Sean McVay has done an amazing job here to really, like, squeeze every little bit out of this. But Matt Stafford himself has just been playing at a, an all pro level like if he played like this uh, uh last year uh if he'd been healthy then you know they would not have had that terrible season they had last season but uh look stafford he's obviously towards the end of his career but uh he's either gonna be here for the rams going forward if they're not going full rebuild and why would they at this point uh when they have all the money and picks next year uh but you know i think if they wanted to trade him they could still get a lot for him um so i think for the rams really good signs there the defense is still a bit of an issue it's really just aaron donald plus guys um but even then it was you know given how little talent there is it's not been the worst either as for indianapolis like richardson is ridiculous like he's actually like you like the eye test he just looks like a monster like the guy is basically the second coming of cam uh, newton but somehow it's more like similarly powerful but yet somehow slimmer he's not the most natural runner he doesn't have the same natural instincts of maybe cam newton to run but you know he he makes up for that by being a way more natural pocket passer as well like i wouldn't say he's a consistent pocket passer um in the sense like there's some of those trolls that you still every week go just like you know hit the, the easy out and stuff like that but when he needs to make a wow throw he can make the wow throws off platform on platform whatever there was one uh pass where i think aaron donald was draped all over him and he just flicked it with his arm and it went like 50 yards that's kind of patrick mahomes bullshit level and for a guy who obviously has way way less experience at the college level to see him at this level already is a testament to how talented he is but also the job shane steichen is doing obviously who came from philadelphia a lot of experience uh, with jalen hurts and you can already see some of the the rpo type elements coming in there and helping him out but you know even given that it's still sometimes you go this guy legitimately looks like a potential uh future su- superstar uh going forward and obviously he has the athleticism and the run ability to add into that and as you say like he did all the hard work he got the to the tie game uh, scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown but i'd say overtime rules meant that he never had one last chance to to put the cherry on top and what it would have been an amazing comeback but uh, i think given you know how raw he was to see him at this level already really really exciting times for yeah. Indianapolis. and as you say if jonathan taylor comes back at jonathan taylor type levels from two years ago things could get very scary very fast yeah next up kansas city at the new york jets 23 to 20 uh, geez, this reminded me of watching Kansas City beforehand. Uh, they kind of survived this match, really, as Mahomes had one of the worst games he's had in a while. 254 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, they kind of, this is what I meant by kind of the classic Kansas City. They shot out to an early lead. They were 17 to nothing up. And then, almost like the old Alex Smith days, they just kind of took the foot off the gas and let the Jets right back into the game. But at the tail end, we're able to pull it off. This was a relatively terribly reft match overall. Uh, that said, the 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 pass interference call was correct. Uh, the They missed a hold on the Chiefs line that should have called back a play. I don't think the, I don't think the safety was a safety. But hey, whatever. Uh, Pacheco finally had his kind of big breakout game, 158 yards and a touchdown. And he was kind of the only consistent thing in the Chiefs' offense. They were just messy. And I don't know if this is, because we talked about the Jets' defense being incredibly good. I don't know if it's just a Jets being good thing or if it's also just like, you know, the the, the wide receivers weren't doing much. They weren't 
catching balls they weren't getting open and I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of movement happening in our wide receiver room uh, I think they might see some more snaps for Ross I think Tony looked a little bit better in this game so they might try and go back to him a little bit more on the Jets side uh, Wilson had probably like the best career of his game he actually played phenomenally well 259 yards two touchdowns he did have a fumble in the game but overall was was was, was very good in it um you can see that like he was very frustrated with himself there's a uh, clips of him on the sideline afterwards saying sorry bro it's on me i think it was but like you could see a big difference in tonal shift from the team like his teammates were coming over and kind of consoling him because he had done such a good performance they could see that he had tried so hard versus i think beforehand there had been criticism of him maybe not being dedicated enough or not putting the work in but he did in this one because this is a good chiefs defense and he was able to move the ball in them and like it was it was very impressive if wilson could play like this for the rest of the season i don't think the year is dead in the giant in the jets camp it's um it's a tough uphill struggle because obviously buffalo and miami are in the division as well but like you know if he could play like this against other teams i think they could definitely start winning a couple of games and then i don't know if you happen to see rogers on the sideline so normally at this stage you'd still be in a boot for the next couple of weeks he was like hopping around on uh on on on, uh, on, on crutches and I don't know, his weird, like, mystic medicine, new age solution to reattaching his foot or whatever <laughs> seems to be working. So there is always an outside shot of him being able to, to come back later on if they were to still be in this down the line. Now, that's probably too far down the line. For Kansas City, pretty... Like, they're happy to take the win. They're not happy with how the game went. But the Jets do historically just have voodoo on us. Like, even in their worst times, when we played away to the Jets, they always won. Um, For the Jets, there's a lot of hope here. It's an annoying loss. It's a loss that they'll... They feel quite aggrieved by by the call at the end and stuff. But, like, look, it was a good performance. And I'd imagine them that it would be enough to best a lot of other teams. Yeah, an ugly win for, for Kansas City. I think we can come away with. I wonder if Taylor Swift is starting to reconsider her life choices um, after that performance. Yeah, she should give um, it that, that Zach Wilson guy. <laughs> I think she's a bit too young for Zach Wilson's tastes, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, for Kansas, for the Chiefs, this was very reminiscent of the Lions game where the offense, once it started to be challenged in ways, suddenly they didn't necessarily have the answers and partly that is the receivers I, I i i wonder what's going on with their mahomes had probably the worst game i've ever personally witnessed him have um i think you can maybe give some credit to the jets defense in terms of that but i do think this chiefs team are not quite where they they haven't hit the heights that they used to but i'm starting to feel that maybe this is normal for this team that that there was this the trend we're starting to see with this chiefs team i think is that they do tend to start seasons a little bit slower, but come December, January, they tend to be they tend to be in their groove, and maybe this is just what it is. They're trying to figure things out right now, find out what doesn't work, and and figure out what does work as they go forward. Um, they probably do need better receivers, though. I, I think Mahomes, not even Mahomes, can win a Super Bowl if guys can't actually catch the ball or, or run proper routes or, or anything like that. That said, they did manage to grind out the win that accounts. And if you want to talk about mentality, this Chiefs team does seem to find a way um, to win. They leaned heavily into the run. They did what had to be done. They got the yards and they got the points. But I do think I agree with you. The more interesting side of the story is the Jets. That obviously, when Aaron Rodgers went down, and we we saw. Uh, the, the 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 Zach Wilson abortion attempt. Um, I was like, 
I really thought the Jets were done for, no matter how good their defense was, that the offense has to score points. And yet we saw here that maybe there is an offensive game plan starting to come together. Maybe they have come to terms with the fact that they're going to have to play Zach Wilson for, for 17 games or even more. And they start to find a way, how do we make that work? Because this certainly was the most comfortable I've ever seen Zach Wilson look in a Jets jersey. A lot of that I think is due to the fact that the O-line had a great performance to give him time. And when he has time, he makes generally good decisions. The problem with Zach Wilson is when he goes off script and thinks that he's Pat Mahomes or, or thinks that he's, you know, Aaron Rodgers, or whatever, thinks that he can go off on these mad runs and throw these crazy passes and he seems to be trying not to do that but it helps when you have an an, an old line that is giving you the time um to do that so definitely green shoots and definitely they're going to come out of this thinking oh well, actually we can have a good season the defense is definitely the strength though and unquestionably showed its stuff again um and you have to point out that they've done to to kansas city and pat mahomes the same things they've now done to the Buffalo Bills and Josh and they've taken basically the two best offenses in the AFC and they've completely stifled them they forced them to make terrible decisions they've they've really uh run the gauntlet against them and yeah I think this Jets team is if you know there are, there are all these questions when Rodgers went down or why are the Jets in prime time so much this defense is prime time this defense is is elite and I want to watch them again and again and again and all they need is an offense that can score points and if they've finally figured that side out of it, then certainly they're not dead yet. Obviously, the division they're in is, is a nightmare. Um, and so they're probably looking at a wild card spot. But if they get in, if they do, if it does begin to click, they're going to be a team that no one wants to play in the playoffs because this defense is an absolute nightmare to play against. Um, so, yeah, good times for the Jets, even though they lost. And they probably need to start winning games uh, eventually. Um, for Kansas City, I... I I under I don't I almost write this off. I'm I don't think we should really think about what how good the Chiefs are going to be until we see them in say mid December uh, when everything has been figured out and Mahomes is in his groove. Yeah. Uh, next up, Denver at Chicago. Uh, guys, De- De- Denver might just be really really shit, <laughs> like really really bad on defense. Um, yeah, they were seven to twenty eight down before Russell Wilson decided it's time to show people that this Chicago defense is also really terrible. But we knew that already. Uh, he had 233 yards, uh, three touchdowns. The defense from Chicago got one sack in this entire game. Uh, and they, even though the Broncos lost their starting running back, they had little teeny tiny McLaughlin came out and he decided to put the team on his back, but then it was too heavy. Uh, so he just did a couple of big runs instead. Fields had 335 yards, four touchdowns, an interception and a fumble. He played the, the it seems to be the week for it. He played the best game of his life in this game, I think. Um, Moore had 131 yards and a touchdown. Herbert, 122 and a touchdown. Cole Komet, 86 and two touchdowns. Uh, it was only late on in the game where they just kind of collapsed. He had a fumble pick six and then they had a turnover on downs when they were in field goal range. And I think running... That's one of the big ones we're going to have to talk about decision-making processes because we've had a couple of really questionable ones of late. We had, you know, Staley, who I think doubled down this week, and we'll talk about him doing the the fourth down uh, in his own section. But they are in a tied game. They are in field goal range, and they decide to go for it on fourth and one and a half, really, I think it was. Uh, They turn it over, and... Then Denver go down the field, are able to score a field goal and win the game. Uh, it'll 
definitely, definitely terrible decision-making processes from the Chicago team. I get that, you know, Denver have been able to move the ball a little bit more on them lately, but they hadn't been moving it at all. So why they passed up on that opportunity, I I, I won't know. Uh, from Chicago's side, you got a feel for Fields. He had a great game. He should have had it. Their defense was essentially non-existent in this game. Uh, for Denver, like... Nice to see the offense going again. It's, you know, for, for, for them, the Russell Wilson thing seems to be working out a bit more this year. He seems to be sitting into that system. But uh, their defense is just horrendous. Like, they're just allowing everything to happen. Because this is, if you think this is uh, Justin Fields having the greatest game of his life following what has been an abysmal start to the season. Uh, and then for Russell, look, yeah, this, <laughs> the, the Chicago defense is as bad as we thought it was. This was pretty much what we said in the previews last week, Ronan, that this is two bad teams going against each other who I think both offenses are going to get going, and it was going to be exciting, and it was exciting. Uh, yeah, just, just quite entertaining from two teams who, you know, both are probably looking... Well, make sure, Denver are probably not looking towards Caleb Williams anymore uh, with the Russ thing working and them being locked in with the contract, but Chicago saw the chance of maybe we'll just stay in the in the top seat for the first overall pick, and... They have, so Fields plays his best game and kind of helps lock in what was closest maybe to an easy win on their schedule uh, to lock up that uh, first overall pick. Yeah, and they, they also have Carolina's first overall pick, which I think is the number two pick right now, so uh, pretty well set in terms of uh, if they want a quarterback, they can get a quarterback, but this isn't the game you come out of going, oh, they definitely need a new quarterback. It's yeah. more a game you come out... These they need a new fucking a f- coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it, like... Like, obviously, I assume this is kind of what they wanted when they said we want to give Fields a more expansive offense. We want him to do more of the kind of traditional quarterback things. And it worked for for basically at least half of the game and basically three quarters of the game. He looked really, really good. He wasn't just doing Justin Fields magic run around bullshit, which is kind of all he had last year. He was playing the the game well. He was staying in the pocket when necessary. He was moving well within the pocket and he was finding uh, DJ Moore and Cole Komet for big plays. Like those touchdowns, both to Komet were like good understanding of the play, uh, good uh, pocket awareness and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, it just fell apart at the end. It just, like the Denver pulled up the heat. They got two touchdowns in quick succession after uh, Chicago punted. And then it just went really, really bad, really, really fast. And you just felt by the end when he threw that interception on the final drive that it almost felt inevitable. There was some kind of miscommunication between him and, Com- him and Komet and just... The energy had been drained out of a team, and for a young quarterback, and obviously a team that's been in so much turmoil, you just kind of feel like it was all so brittle, and it just felt, it just did feel like they were going to do what they needed to do to hold on to this lead as Denver, like the Jaws music started playing, and Denver ed away at this offense. And, like, you know, it doesn't help when you're, you know, your fumbled six is coming from, like, your mate. Uh, apparently, uh, Cooper, John Cooper is apparently his mate, and was going to give him. Yeah, I think, I, think they, I think they roomed together in college or something. Yeah, <laughs> but he 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 strips Axie and takes it for the the six points that basically tied this game up, and you're just going, oh my god. Yeah, my my, my saying, understanding is that they had agreed to do a jersey swap afterwards, and I'm not sure if that jersey swap happened. And as you say, with the with the field goal, no field goal decision. Like you know, you could sense the energy was bad take the field goal at least you know then force denver to score a touchdown or at least to have a field goal to take it to overtime don't put your quarterback in a position um 
where uh, you know don't put your quarterback in a position where if if things go wrong he's going to have to come back and do stuff on the final drive and it, to be fair they didn't even give it to Justin Fields they gave it to Khalil Herbert and you know Khalil Herbert had had a good game they've been running the ball well so I kind of get it but it's just I don't know for a team in that position and like I maybe you're trying to prove something you're like we're going to beat through it they're going like full Brandon Staley it just did not feel like the right thing to do I know there's kind of some post hoc bias there always is going to be but I just kind of felt take yeah. the points well, and the, move forward the other thing is that like you know. All, all you're really doing is because you're not threatening a touchdown. You're going to get your first down. You're going to run the clock down and kick a field goal. There wasn't a ton of time on the clock, and like you know, it just it it was it was it was a it was a fine margin that they were gaining by it anyway. Yeah, like it wasn't like Staley last week where if they made the fourth down they would have won the game. This was like you would have had probably a better field goal and maybe you would have been the field goal would have been at the the buzzer uh, as it were. But you know it. I don't know. Like I, I get it. Like I, like I'm sure the analytics doesn't say it was a terrible. Like like the percentages say it's a terrible thing to do. I don't get the difference in win loss on that basis. It's that bad. But it just felt like for where the team was at, where your quarterback just gave away six points via fumble, um, and you're now like the game is now tied after a poor like the Denver have scored all these points. It just didn't be like the the right momentum move. As for like Denver, like look, they're they are what they are this year. Their defense has gone right into the toilet. It feels like I don't know what that's about. Obviously, they made some key plays here at the end, but that wouldn't give me too much confidence against a team which have more you know uh, skill and and reserves going forward. Um, and their offense it's better. Uh, like Sean Payton has fixed rust to some extent he's got the the deep ball back to some extent and the the intermediate and the short game is certainly a huge jump over last year uh and then yeah they got some nice big uh, jump plays from mclaughlin to kind of get the get the um the comeback going but it's still all a little bit it doesn't feel very reliable it still feels like a team that's going to finish with like what six wins something like that and then given how veteran this team is given the russell wilson situation you kind of go like what's the point of doing that basically but like look they get off the schneid they get some momentum and you know sean payton can kind of start to build the you know whatever whoever's planning to actually keep long term some kind of uh, sense of, of momentum and identity but uh yeah i don't really feel like they're that relevant for this season even with a win here no no and lastly we've got the las vegas raiders taking on the la chargers 17 to 24 uh, the Chargers just kind of squeaked this, really. Herbert had 194 yards, three touchdowns and interception. He had Palmer, uh, who had 77 yards in the day, for 51-yard third-down bomb to kind of close out the game as they nearly blew a ginormous lead. So they were, I think, up by 17 points at halftime. Uh, so, yeah, it was just, again, this kind of, like, Chargers collapsing down the tail end of a game, letting other players into it and... and, and yeah just kind of risking it all and this is like it'll be one thing even if this was against a semi full strength Raiders team but we saw the rookie O'Connell in playing because obviously they have an injury to Garoppolo already and he had a terrible game 241 yards he had a touchdown but he had an interception and he had two fumbles in this game so like you would expect the Chargers team to be able to capitalize on that kind of stuff but they were still right in this till the tail end uh we kind of made a joke about this last week that uh, Jacobs hadn't been playing well, but last last year it was, I think week four was his kind of start of the big comeback. And he seems to be doing that again, 139 yards and a touchdown this week following an abysmal first three weeks. But uh, yeah, this is just kind of not really, it wasn't really gelling for them yet. They like fair to them. They stayed in and they, they managed to keep themselves in the game till the tail end. Uh, they were getting absolutely destroyed by Khalil Mack uh, in this game. He had six sacks, I believe. But 
Yeah, it must, it must, must feel bad. hates the Raiders. Yeah, like say. it must feel bad looking across the looking across at that in a divisional rival being like, but we traded you to the NFC. We thought we were rid of you. And then he's back terrorizing them. Um, there was some quite funny social media coming out of this as well, Sean, where uh, a load of fans were, were up near the, uh, the fancy court boxes calling on the owner to fire McDaniels. And uh, he was telling them off from his box for being uncouth. I, yeah, it's the Raiders. I mean, it's just, I don't even know why we bother with this team. They, they, this seems to be the same team we've seen for the past four or five years, the same level of mediocre garbage. It doesn't seem to really matter who they have at quarterback. It doesn't seem to really matter which of their random collection of impressive uh, skill players has a good game and which one has a bad one. They always just seem to end up somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And I come out of this game, as you said, a little bit, I mean, a little bit down on the Chargers because they won because they didn't do a better job of just destroying this team. Um, I mean, for the Raiders, you come out of it. I thought Aiden O'Connell wasn't bad comparatively. I mean, the, it was interesting reading a bit of the, the Raiders' blogs uh, afterwards. Um, and people were talking about, well, if Jimmy G was playing, he would have thrown like three or four interceptions. So he's much better than Jimmy G. And if that's the level that you're, that you're at, <laughs> I'm a bit worried um, about that's your... That's the height of the aspirations <laughs> for them. It's, uh, I mean, to go from Derek Carr to Jimmy G and now to be to be relying on this fourth round rookie as maybe being your savior because he's he's maybe slightly less terrible is not great. Um, yeah, Josh Jacobs has the best game of the year. He gave O'Connell lots of options, both running past things were looking good. Other than that, there was very little about this Raiders team to like. The O-line was absolutely atrocious. I think they gave up seven sacks or something. Um, they just, there just wasn't anything. There's just no reason to get excited about the Raiders and there hasn't been for a very long time. And... They're just going to end up in the middle, you know, seven wins or eight wins or something like that, and that'll be the end of them. The Chargers are, I guess, the more interesting thing. There's another two and two. They they lost. They started off, you know, badly enough. Um, they lost. They lost two kind of uh, games that they maybe could have won. But now they're back to two and two and start to getting a little bit spicy again. It wasn't the best game. I think this is actually the Herbert's lowest yardage total of his entire career. But he did deliver in a matter. He got that 51-yard pass when they really needed to win the game. Um, what's actually interesting from this for me was watching the Chargers' defense because their defense was not terrible. And specifically their run defense, which is their Achilles heel, was definitely not terrible and showing small signs of improvement. Now, whether that's just because they were playing the Raiders and therefore they didn't have to do an awful lot of fancy stuff or whether there's actual improvement coming on Staley's side. Um, they had that Staley's defensive game plan was definitely a kind of a bend, don't break, limit the Raiders to small gains kind of stuff. And it seemed to mostly work. I mean, they only scored 17 points and, and had things been a little bit better uh, offensively, they would have run away with it. Khalil Mack had his biggest game in quite a long while. And they, they really looked like they weren't a terrible defense. And if you're a Chargers fan, maybe you're getting a tiny bit excited about maybe things are starting to come together at that end. They don't necessarily seem to be coming to get, get together at the other end. Herbert hopelessly inconsistent, flatters to deceive, et cetera, et cetera. More and more people are beginning to start to question whether or not Herbert is just some sort of really elaborately disguised fraud who looks really good but is actually not all that good. Um, we got to see it when it matters down the stretch in big games before we can judge that kind of stuff. But I, I come out of this game in incredibly meh about both teams. The, the Raiders, I hope not to have to watch too much of them 
anymore. The Chargers, I, I suspect I will be watching. I think they might sneak into the playoffs, but they're not going to do much damage. Uh, and certainly the deficiencies that have been there from week one uh, continue to be there uh, unless suddenly Brandon Staley has figured out how to be a defensive genius again, which I doubt. But I got to see this team against better teams. The Chargers look pretty crap against the, the Raiders. They looked slightly less than crap, but still not good enough. Um, so, yeah, if... I mean, if the char- if the Chiefs' competition in the division is these two guys and the Broncos, they have absolutely nothing to worry about. They're going to walk the division um, because there's nothing too excited to get get nothing, no reason to get excited about either of these two teams. Yeah, and as always, we say, look, all games are important. Just some games are less important, and they are a favorite of Ronan. So uh, we're going to throw it off to him on the dump off and let him take you through the rest of the games from this week. Yeah, and it was a beat-down heavy week, so uh, plenty of uh, dump-off material. Apparently, Apple. it's been like the the it's the most uh, the most uh, large margin of defeats, like twenty plus point things through the first four weeks in like fifteen twenty years. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, feels it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird year. Like I think defenses and offenses are not quite where you'd expect, and uh, yeah, just a lot of there's a fair amount of chaff in the league right now uh, some expected some unexpected but we'll start with one game that was actually close uh, the to- other toilet bowl alongside denver and chicago 21 to 13 win for by minnesota uh minnesota they overcame a pretty treadbare carolina team at this point given all the injuries that they deal with and the lack of talent they had to start with um despite the fact that kirk cousins is having a really bad season he threw uh, two picks in this game including a pick six basically to open the game he managed to make it up with two touchdowns throughout but only had 140 yards at the end so just i don't know what's up with kirk cousins but it's not good uh, madison at least showed up nearly 100 yards jefferson got his two touchdowns nearly 100 yards there bad day for him but uh, good for anyone else and the defense did its work they had uh, a fumble from uh, bryce young uh, a sack, five sacks, eight tackles for a loss. So, you know, I'm not saying Minnesota were good, but they were probably better than Carolina and deserved to win this game despite Kirk Cousins' awfulness. Bryce Young, this is probably one of the biggest disappointments this year. He's just really struggling behind a really poor offensive line. Obviously, the talent isn't really there, but you are a little bit worried because Andy Dalton looked a lot better against the Seahawks last week in this offense than Young has looked at all in his three starts. So, definitely some concerns there. You see the flashes of his why they drafted him number one overall, but when you see what's happening with CJ Stroud, and with Anthony Richardson, you're kind of worried that, you know, why aren't they doing this for this guy? Maybe they need to take some notes there and open things up for him and help him out there. But he needs some help quick because they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a run game. They need something to help him out uh, sooner rather than later. Next up, Arizona and San Francisco, 16-35. to uh, A game, uh, a performance by Arizona. They, they kept this close. They were down to a five-point deficit in the second half. But uh, San Francisco were always better. They're just one of these elite teams and they take care of the trash. Not the trash, but the mid to, to trash type teams and CMC every time Arizona got close San Francisco punished them by giving the ball to CMC some more he ended up with 177 yards and four touchdowns and Purdy was just left to clean up with Ayuk who had of all nearly 150 yards uh, Purdy was nearly 200 yards himself and two touchdowns so you know San Francisco were just better basically uh, despite that Dobbs had a solid game he had two touchdowns at uh, 265 yards he showed a lot of poise he led them on a 99 yard touchdown drive to get it down to that five point uh, deficit he was finding Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson who uh, both had good games, uh, and that was, Jade Collar wasn't bad, but he wasn't kind of the star of the show he had been in recent weeks, so I think really good, and you'd have to wonder, maybe they're thinking Dobbs should be the starter for the entire season, who knows, uh, we'll see, a uh, long way to go before that becomes a major consideration, both in terms of uh, Dobbs showing it and uh, Kyler Murray actually being healthy, but I think the big takeaway is that Arizona are a good team, they're fighting hard, but they're nowhere near San Francisco's level, Sean was right on their level uh, before the season. Next up, Detroit at Granite Green Bay, 34-20. to 20. Uh, This is obviously Thursday night football. Detroit dominated early. They were up by 27-3 to 3 at the half. 
Montgomery was dominant after coming back from injury, 141 yards and three touchdowns. They had some explosive plays. Their defense absolutely hammered uh, Jordan Love. They had two interceptions, five sacks, eight tackles for a loss. They allowed 21 net yards at the half. Like, it was just over before it began, basically. Love, he kind of did some things in the second half, but uh, just had no pressure. The run game was non-existent despite Aaron Jones being back. He didn't look fully healthy. We'll see if he's more of a factor going forward. And, you know... They, they, they were okay in the comeback. They got a little free play at the end of the third quarter. It was a bit controversial. But uh, at the end of the day, Detroit were better. They deserve to be winning. And they're like, 3 1, so that's good to see for Detroit. We all love them. Next up, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, 26 9. Tampa Bay are atop the NFC South. Uh, New Orleans, who were hoping to do that, because why else would they be doing what they're doing? Um, we're pretty ailing here. Obviously, Carr is injured and just looked completely injured. His only two moves were get sacked or dump the ball off to Alvin Kamara. He didn't have any deep accuracy. Uh, Antoine Winfield was having the time of his life kicking out, uh, tick-tapping away all of his, uh, his uh, you know, easily spotted away balls. Uh, nothing really happening there. And the New Orleans defense, you know, finally gave up more than 20 points, but I think that's mostly on the offense. As for Tampa Bay, Baker was good. Three touchdowns. He did throw a pick, though. I think they immediately got the ball back and scored on the next uh, drive, so not too bad. Um, and he just shows, like, he's, he's showing why he was so solid a few years ago, but the big thing he brings is he brings grit, right? He's willing to put his body in the line, he's willing to do things which probably wouldn't be great for the long-term health, and that's just that X factor that they need just to keep things going. Godwin had over 100 yards here, and the team didn't collapse when Mike Evans went out early. We kind of missed the, uh, uh, the, the Lattimore Evans WWE showdown, UFC showdown, uh, because of that. But uh, yeah, good game for Tampa Bay, the easy win atop the NFC side, happy, happy with that. Uh, next up, probably a surprising blowout. Houston beat uh, Pittsburgh by 30 to 6. Stroud, hot start so far, over 300 yards in each game. This is probably his best performance, I would say. 322 yards, two touchdowns, because this was throughout the entire game, not just in fits and starts. Pittsburgh had no turnovers, no sacks. That's pretty impressive given the defensive line that they have and the overall defense that they have. And Nico Collins ended up being the key man this week in the, uh, in the wide receiver core for Stroud. He had 168 yards and two touchdowns. Houston getting better every week. Something interesting is happening here. Keep an eye on this as we go forward. As for Pittsburgh, huge disappointment on the offense again. Like Pickett was like 114 yards in interception before he had to go out. They bring in Mitch Titties. He didn't do much himself. The Houston defense is also getting better every week. So something to keep an eye out there. Obviously, they have a good uh, defensive young coach there. And basically, outside of some runs and a few dump-offs, uh, uh, they didn't have much happening in Pittsburgh. Houston, uh, very interesting. Uh, next up, Atlanta at Jacksonville, 7-23. This is the London game and a bit of a disappointment. Jacksonville basically won this game in the first half. They were 17 points up at the half and Desmond Ritter had a, a half to forget. He threw a touchdown in the second half, a, a Drake London touchdown in London, fixed. Um, but he threw two interceptions. He fumbled the ball. One of those interceptions went for a pick six. So, yeah, outside Bijan, who has 140 yards nearly, they basically have nothing happening at offense and, and de defense is going to key on that more and more each week, you feel like. To Ritter can prove otherwise. Lawrence, fine. 249 yards, a touchdown. Not the most consistent, but you'll take it. The run game, also a bit disappointment. The defense was good, obviously, against a fairly limited offense with the three turnovers, four sacks, six for a loss. But, uh, you know, I think this game was probably better in its Toy Story form, to be perfectly frank. Uh, it was an ESPN special uh, for those who are interested. Uh, that, that everything was happening in Andy's room uh, with the claw, uh, kind of spotting the ball each time. Seattle at the Giants, 24-3. Monday Night Football, Danny Dimes was left broke by this game. Uh, no more Dimes for use. The defense of Seattle had three turnovers, two stops and downs, 11 sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. It got very, very ugly when the second half of this game got going in particular. Um, so his pocket was picked, and Witherspoon was the prime culprit. 97-yard pick six, two sacks as a defensive back. You've got to take that. As for uh, Seattle's offense, it's still very threadbare because the offensive line is missing four starters. At this point, Chino had only 100 yards. 
yards. He got injured in this game, had to come back in. Um, but Walker's good, like 80 yards and a touchdown. But uh, the defense was doing the work here, so they didn't have to do anything too crazy to, to get this done. Giants could have won this game if they had any offense, but they don't. So, hooray. Uh, Cincinnati at Tennessee, 20, uh, sorry, Cincinnati, Tennessee, 3-27. to Absolute beatdown of Tennessee by Cincinnati. Tennessee's defense, a fumble, three sacks, because Ross held Burrow to less than 170 yards. He only had 250 yards in total. Yeah, it's just sad. Burrow is obviously battered and hurt and not able to play the game. And outside of, you know, his occasional flashes with Jamar Chase, there's not that much happening. Mixon was actually okay, but just, it's just so sad. It's just, I don't know, take him out, throw the damn towel, basically, um, and wait till he's actually healthy before you start and maybe you want a playoff run uh, for the wild card. As for Tennessee, you know, not particularly inspiring from Tannehill, 240 yards, such an interception, but he kept a clean interception was laid on when the game was already done. King Henry, maybe his second back is thrown, 133 yards and a touchdown, also threw a passing touchdown and, and on the goal line, um, but uh, mostly they were doing this, like, since our defense isn't bad, they just had no hope here because the offense was putting them on the field again and again against the Tennessee team to find a little bit of its identity as the game went on and wore them down with the Henry uh, plays. Next up, Baltimore-Cleveland, 28-3. Pretty much a massacre for the young rookie uh, quarterback, uh, uh, DTR. This is a spot start. I think like Watson was pulled out on the day, so really tough position. But uh, Baltimore, we know they're a well-coached team, uh, and they basically absolutely battered this offense from the start. He could have had way more interceptions, DTR. Uh, and you just have to worry, hopefully, that he's up on this position again. This is like the league with bad last year. Baltimore's defense, we know it's going to be well coached. They had three interceptions, four sacks, sent tackles lost, less than 250 yards. It was just easy pickings for them in the dog pound. Lamar, fine. Four touchdowns. Two of them to Mark Andrews, which is definitely something you want to see more of. Um, and outside, Miles Garrett continuing to be a hazard. The, the Cleveland defense didn't really live up to its expectations in this game. But as I say, they were been putting in tough positions all game, so I don't know how much blame they can take. And finally, oh my god, 38-3 win for Dallas over New England. Oh boy, biggest loss ever in Bill Belichick's Sean, career. Sean, maybe take off your headset. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'm not suffering through it. It's a pretty long, long career, I don't know if, if you know. But uh, yes, a 35-point loss. The, the Mac attack had a heart attack on the field. Uh, two interceptions, the fumble. Uh, one of the, two of them went for Dallas touchdowns of those turnovers. It's it was ugly. Mac just didn't know what was happening in front of him. Him and, and Daniel Dimes both were just the most confused quarterbacks I saw this week, and they had to pull him for Bailey Zappi by the end of the game just to have some mercy on him. No pass game, no run game. This Dallas defense just had its way all game. Dak was fine. He was two six one a touchdown, though a little inefficient. Reds on one of four, but uh, you know it didn't really matter because this team was getting battered up and down it felt like uh, uh, for the entire game so yeah for New England given the defensive losses and the injuries and the Mac attack situation it's just getting more and more desperate every week it feels like I, I don't know where they're going from here uh, so that's the dump off for week four talk to you next week okay so let's take a look at the picks for the upcoming week uh, Thursday night football this is going to be my pick of the week Chicago at Washington I've gone for Chicago the boys have gone for Washington not exactly the highest wattage game in the world but I quite liked what we saw out of Washington last week when they were taking on the Eagles. I want to see basically what Sam Howell can do against the Chicago defense. And from the Chicago side, I'm just very intrigued to see what kind of fields we get now. Will he build on what was an excellent performance in the loss last week? Because this is a it's a better defense in Washington, but it's still got holes in it as we've seen. So I'm just intrigued to see kind of the trajectory of the Chicago team. Uh, versus the Washington and then basically what this Washington team will be able to do against an opponent like the Chicago defense, which were frankly just porous last week. So uh, 
yeah, should be should be an entertaining one. I'd say there's a, there's a chance of it being a high scoring game, but there's also a chance of it being a one sided game. So we'll see. Either way, I think uh, it's one of the better Thursday night footballs that's coming up. Uh, next up is Ronan's pick of the week, and I imagine he's picked this one not only because you know it's it's a decent game, but also because uh, we're going to be in attendance. Yeah, we're all going to be Mr. International next week, all going full pitbull because uh, the sun's going to be out with all of our shades out. We'll be looking good uh, in the London sun. Uh, but yes, the, the the second London game, this one in the uh, Spurs Stadium after last week being in Wembley. But uh, yeah, it's quite a, kind of exciting. Obviously, Buffalo, after you know getting over week one pretty quickly and now beating down the best team in the AFC, quote unquote, uh, Marcus uh, was uh, saying that Buffalo fans are having the fun now. Yeah, like this is obviously a team that's coming into like traveling across the ocean and now can they live up to that reputation and put on a show against the Jacksonville defense, which I think is pretty good at stopping the run, but which has been questionable when put up against the, the best passing offenses in the league over the last uh, year and a half, including this season. So, you know, Josh Allen just put on one of his best games in a while and then you're going to go against the Jacksonville defense. Can he build on that, be consistent and actually keep getting points after points after points or will the fact that you know last week maybe they felt we have to do that because Miami are going to score a bunch of points will they be a bit more conservative will they run the ball more with James Cook will they kind of be closer to what they were in the like the, the, the week two week three and obviously the defense there for Buffalo played really well last week and they're up against the Jacksonville offense where Trevor Lawrence has been a little bit flattered to deceive I would say this year he has not really been at the level we would expect from someone who's been so hyped uh, throughout his entire career in college and in the NFL uh, we have to give him the mulligan year uh, for, for, his, for his rookie year but still not quite at the levels we kind of thought he might make in a, in a kind of basically second year leap um, and the run game with ATN has been pretty disappointing Bigby hasn't really added too much there and so you'd wonder here like look Calvin Ridley was, hasn't really been used the last two weeks are they going to need to use Calvin Ridley in the same way that Buffalo used Stefan Diggs this is the guy you traded for this is a guy who has shown sparks of being that dominant wide receiver one maybe this is a chance to actually get that done obviously Buffalo are going to be missing Trey White because he's out with injury maybe the time to go aggressive maybe let Lawrence off the leash let him do some more things and see if you can stay toe to toe with what should be an offensive powerhouse so I'm excited to see this game I think you know Jacksonville have the advantage of already being in London maybe that'll help them a bit as well with the kind of jet lag and all that kind of stuff but Buffalo should be favored based on what they've done in the last three weeks Jacksonville but we know based on what they did towards the end of last year are a talented team they can have really good moments and in their quote-unquote home even though it's technically Buffalo's home game maybe they can get it done but I think given what we saw last week, this should be a major step up for the London crowds. Yeah, like it's going to be exciting to see a Buffalo team that's this kind of explosive at the moment. I'd be interested to see what the Jags can scheme up to try and, you know, maybe target where you would have had White in the defensive scheme beforehand. They do have like multiple wide receivers who can perform. We saw they kind of went leaned on Kirk a bit in the game that just went by. So maybe they do get a little bit more use uh, of the other wide receivers yeah, this week. Like, but like they have Kirk and they have Zay Jones and they have Evan Ingram who all be pretty good and they worked last week. But for me, if you think you have that like X factor wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, you just at some point there, like yeah. Buffalo, you know, and like Devontae Adams and all these guys, at some point you just need to prove it basically. And why not prove it against, you know, a team like Buffalo where you need to score points? Yeah. No, uh should be should be good fun. Looking forward to it now, I must say. Particularly Jesus, it's twenty five degrees, it'll be uh unreal weather too. Good, good. Yeah, I just I I agree with Ron in the sense that the problem here is that Jacksonville have not shown us this year anything like the level of last year, whereas the Bills have, at least last week, finally seemed to turn up to that level that we expect from them. They're just better on both sides of the ball at the moment is the big problem, but 
I yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird dynamic because the Jags kind of do have a home crowd thing going on now, so. Yeah. It's going to be weird for the Bills to have a, a home game that's actually an away game. And, you know, we could cheer for them because uh, we're not going to have Marcus <laughs> with us, so he won't be there to scold us for cheering the other team. <laughs> that's all All London needed was the Jags to be good, and suddenly everyone's into the NFL. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, next up, we have uh, New Orleans traveling down to, turning over to New England, actually. So me and Ronan have gone for New Orleans, and Sean, you've gone for New England. Uh, you're not put off by... You know, missing your defensive backfield and Mac Jonesy and ghosts. I I got to keep the fate to the bitter end. I think. Um, so there was actually Marcus, friend of the pod, did ask a question that that he wanted addressed, which was, are the Pats just straight up bad now, even apart from Mac Jones not being good at football? Yeah. I, I I would I would caution a little bit on the Pats are really awful. They've lost three games this year. They've lost to the Eagles. They've lost to the Dolphins, and they've lost to the Cowboys. And in two of those games, they were quite close at the end to beating one of the better teams in the league. Only this one performance against the Cowboys was a, a, an outright bad performance. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Cowboys defense is scary good and is aggressive in a way that, that someone of Mac Jones's level, and we saw with Danny Dimes too, you're going to make them make bad decisions and they make bad decisions. And he just got punished by, you know, basically two, two touchdowns, two defensive touchdowns against them. So I wouldn't, I, I, I would, point out that 38-3 might be a little bit of an outlier as to how bad the Pats are. That said, with the defensive injuries that I already talked about, they are not going to be quite as effective on the one side of the ball that they're actually good at. The, the Saints are fairly solid, consistent, a little bit boring. David, uh, Not David Carr, his brother. Derek Carr uh, is... They're just too boring. Fine. It's hard to keep them... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's fine. He's he's healthy against a banged up defense. It might be interesting to see. Maybe a little bit of a defensive battle here. These are interesting two franchises you can always kind of rely on to be in a certain level. But at the moment, neither of those teams are actually much above that level. So I don't think it's going to be the best game in the world uh, to watch. And certainly Mac Jones is going to have to make some better decisions and be given a bit more time to make good decisions. Um, by his uh, his O-line and such like. Uh, logic would suggest that maybe the Pats are so banged up that the Saints are going to edge it, but I have to believe that Balchik will start to find some answers. Uh, and if he can't, if you can't find a way to defensive scheme Derek Carr out of existence, then you don't deserve to be called the best head coach of all time, basically. So that's why i got to keep the faith and believe the Pats are going to win. Yeah, I don't know. Like this New Orleans team, I don't trust the... Uh, <laughs> I don't trust the mobile pile, but... I just, yeah, I, I, I swapped my pig away from New England after the injuries, to be honest. Uh, I just don't really trust New England at all. Um, next up, we got Baltimore at Pittsburgh, AFC North matchup. But we've got Baltimore across the board in here. Obviously, we mentioned we're probably going to see Mitch Titties in this one. And basically, a big question mark is, will he be a downgrade? Will he be a push versus Pickett? And could that have an impact on who's going to be their quarterback continuing into the season? Baltimore obviously have a lot of injuries, but they've been looking an awful lot better of late. Um, they seem to be betting into that offensive system, and this is a defense in Pittsburgh that, in theory, is very, very tough and hard-nosed and everything, but like they did just get schooled by the Texans. Yeah, but the Texans are the coming power. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was definitely gives you a little bit of concern because the Pittsburgh defense is basically the reason why they're 2-2 two and two at all. Like They basically won the game against Cleveland straight up and then like two weeks ago that they did most of the work and for pittsburgh you know with with the injuries now to kenny pickett pat fryer is out 
you know they're obviously missing Deontay Johnson for the rest for a number of games still you know there's not really that much in what was a fairly threadbare offense I would say to start although there was a promise there at least when fully healthy and the offensive lines also thinking of some injuries I think that's having a major effect as well given how little depth they have there so yeah like I think the offense for Pittsburgh is the biggest reason why I think none of us are willing to pick picks for this game but there is game like you know Pittsburgh's defense if they're on form and you know Baltimore's offense has certainly not reached the kind of Lamar MVP levels at this year though it has been improved over the, the latter stages of last year you know they could win this game but it seems very very unlikely uh, i don't think mitch Diddy's is much of a difference from pickett like there's some things he's better at like uh half field reads he's a bit more athletic i would say uh but in terms of like just in the pocket kind of straight up stuff i wouldn't be that trustworthy of him and like really what does he have just hoof it up to pickens see what happens uh tight plays and and maybe you can get jalen warren and Najee harris going in the run game and dump off game but that's not really going uh, for baltimore like i think you saw despite all the injuries their defense was still able to to lock up dtr uh last week uh, like a rookie you know it's not quite that level of easy challenge you would imagine with which titties is a little bit more experienced but yeah i still wouldn't be scared of them and their offense as i say hasn't been amazing but it's getting better i think it's definitely an improvement and with mark andrews more of a factor last week i think that would definitely be a, a major step up in their predictability and ability to consistently score points so i think baltimore i think of any team in the nfl after four games i don't think anyone could really be happier than baltimore right now given that cincinnati are in disarray pittsburgh just coming off a horrible loss um cleveland going through their own uh, stupid issues um i think they could be pretty happy with the situation especially if they can get a win here yeah, it, it's about who you trust, and you just can't trust Mitch Titties at the end of the day. And the Baltimore defense is good enough to expose that. And so I just don't think Pittsburgh can score enough points to overcome what Lamar will be able to do against what is a very good defense, admittedly. Yeah. Next up, we got Houston at Atlanta. Uh, me and Ronan have gone for Houston, and Sean's gone for Atlanta. I've noticed a theme this week where Sean has four picks on his own, and he is currently leading in the picks, so either he's going to pull away ahead <laughs> or he's going to come back down to earth on this one. But uh, tell us about this game, Ronan. Yeah, like the tech obviously you know it's not been an easy start to the year but they're now on a two-win game uh, streak they beat up the Jaguars now they beat up the Steelers in comprehensive fashion people are starting to hype up the CJ Stroud experience um the defense is starting to get frisky so Houston might be the coming power here and they obviously have an identity that's not just please save us Bijan Robinson please and our defense is now pretty good instead of terrible uh which is basically the entire Atlanta identity right now so look I think I'm, I'm going to go on the form book. I'm going to say Houston can get it done. And I just think Atlanta, the, the, the weaknesses they have are so obvious, so glaring that against a good, like against a good defensive mind, uh, which D'Amico Ryans is, I imagine they can keep Ritter quiet. They can keep Bijan Robinson quiet enough and score enough points to make this. A, I think it'll probably be easy win, to be honest, in my opinion, for Houston. I just can't trust the Texans. It's the Texans. Come on. They've played two good games. I just, yeah. In a I row. need to see. In a row. <laughs> You're a statistician. You should know things happening in a row is, is not a reason to consider them statistically. Stroud significant. is good. Tank Dell is good. Sneeko Collins had a game like, last week. Like to, to know, be they fair, need to get I, David I, Pierce going and stuff. But yeah. I, I am getting excited for Houston, but this is as much a pick against Atlanta for me because Atlanta are just so mid and so predictable. Yeah. I don't think it works. Yeah, yeah like no, I, think I mean, they yeah, need something at quarterback, and that, Ritter's yeah. not providing it anyway. Carolina, Detroit, Sean. We've got for Detroit across the board. Yeah, the the Lions are. Each week they look a little bit better than they did the week before, which is a good place to be for a team. They they did a good job against against the Packers. They they've you know they've had their their, their trademark wins. Whereas the Panthers, they're not much of anything really at the moment. The 
the young, the, the rookie quarterback's going to need a little bit of betting in time, I think. And against a, an aggressive Detroit defense, he's probably not going to, to get it. And on the other side, I mean, the, the, the deficiencies in the Carolina defense in, in, with injuries to boot means I think the Lions are going to have a field day. I imagine it's going to be comfortable enough for the Lions. These are the kind of games that a team of the quality of the Detroit Lions should be running up the score with. Yeah. Yeah, that seems fair to me, to be honest. Uh, Tennessee at Indianapolis. This is a bit more of an interesting game. Tennessee have been able to put it together a bit of late. Uh, show that, you know, sometimes the old recipe does still work. Uh, but it's very much old recipe versus new recipe with Indianapolis bringing out Richardson and him just being so exciting versus what is the plodding, boring, monotonous <laughs> studies of Tennessee Titans. Um, and excited to see what this Indianapolis defense can do. Like we've seen Henry kind of got a little bit back into form last week, so maybe he'll be able to push them around a little bit more, but it is a fairly decent uh, front seven in the defense for Indianapolis. Um, do we have a chance at a return this week for the running back or no? I think he could be back. I think they're bringing him back into practice. But uh, excellent. So we'll, yeah. we 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 don't know at this point whether he'll be playing or not. But there's a, there's an outside chance of that as well. But yeah, like I'm like I'm shading Indianapolis in this just because I find them exciting to watch. And Tennessee, I might as well like be watching cricket. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, you got to bet for got to back excitement over. I mean, it, it, there is an interesting thing here with the rookie quarterback Richardson against the Vrabel defense and he's going to try and scheme up and do Belichick style things to him. So it could be an interesting challenge for Richardson in that sense, but you got to back excitement all the way. And we, nobody here wants to see Tennessee winning too many games. So and if they start winning divisional games that we might see them in the playoffs, which would be even worse. Yeah. Like I think the biggest thing for me is like Tennessee's defensive line is still strong and the linebacker core is okay, but they've still got very weak secondary. So I want to see Richardson air it out, show that he can make the reads against obviously a good defensive mind uh, on the other end. And I just want to see him have big games because he's exciting. And if he could just be consistent, this could get really exciting very fast. As you say, if John Taylor goes back and starts doing things. Yes. Uh, as for Tennessee. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It was nice to see Derek Henry back. Uh, more of that be okay, but not if it allows him to win games. We have uh, Miami, after only managing to put up 20-odd on the Bills, looking to maybe get back to previous form, and they're going to have the New York Giants coming down to visit them in their stadium, Sean. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this could be much of a, of, a, of a contest, really. Obviously, Miami had a bad week, and they've got some in, uh, issues on their defensive side, but when this offense gets explosive, be difficult to stop whereas the giants i mean jesus talk about regression it's almost like last year is just some weird fever dream that that we all imagined and now they're back to being the, the giants two years ago they just look hopeless offensively and even against a bad defense it's i struggle to see how they're going to score all that many points and certainly keep keep up with the with the Tua hill uh, waddle style offense so yeah unless the giants improve dramatically or their defense finds some grand solutions um, against this Dolphins offense. I just can't see this being anything near a contest. Yeah, we've got uh, into the late slate, and thank God they thought about this and put a few more games in the late slate. Uh, Philly at the Rams. Me and Ronan have gone for Philly. You've gone for the Rams. This is a, you know, kind of a question of floor versus ceiling. Maybe this is a solid, if not like you know, hitting the high notes of last year. Philly team, as we've talked, t- taking on a Rams team that are explosive have overperformed some might say in some of the spots 
but uh, you know have have talent on that team and have weapons. I believe Cooper Cup is back in the building training now, so they've entered the three-week window where they can reactivate him. So that could be another element into it. And as we mentioned, but who cares? They don't need Cooper Cup. They got Puka Nakua. That's true. But as we were saying, if there's if there's questions of depth across this Philadelphia backfield, having another wide receiver one in the house would definitely help. Uh, the LA Rams defense is not very good. <laughs> say so hopefully another big game from swift but yeah this is uh i can i can i can totally see the call for the rams in this one uh and they are at home which is a big travel for the philly guys i might end up swapping my pick on this one but yeah i just i like i like the consistency of philly and their run game over the rams have been spotty at times you know my biggest concern if you're picking the rams would be that matt stafford has now an injury he's gonna be a little less mobile and I think this Philly, whatever about the rest of the Philly thing, which has been a little bit up and down, um, the Philly defensive line is legit. That is a scary unit, both interior defensive for pass rush and on the edge. And I just kind of feel like if Matt Stafford isn't fully recovered and isn't able to be fully mobile, even given how well he's playing this year and he's getting the ball out of the hand pretty quick, I still think the Philly defensive line will be a major factor here. Um, that could be a game changer. And I think just overall, Philly are a more talented teams, so I'd probably pick them anyway, but that's probably an X factor for me. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose for Philly, is it going to be a DeAndre Swift game or an A.G. Brown game or maybe bring in Devonta Smith and get him some work? Uh, but you kind of feel they have so many different solutions that a Rams team that has Aaron Donald and pretty much no one else, they can probably find a way to work around Aaron Donald for most of this. I just, I just feel that the travel issue is one thing. I feel I haven't seen this Philly team reach the heights of last year, whereas the Rams are something exciting about them. And Sean McVay seems to be doing some sort of coaching uh, voodoo stuff. So I think it's a very interesting test for the Eagles. I think if, if, if the Eagles win this game and win this comfortably, we can start talking about them being the same standard they were last year. But this kind of game against a middling wildcard, possibly level team, I just haven't seen them perform that level yet. So that's why I'm going to I'm going to give the Rams the edge just because it's a home game, a lot of travel yeah, and they have a little of bit travel. of surprise factor. Yeah. Yeah. You're making you're making up to them for for losing your faith. Uh, yes, I, I'm I'm going to stick to them to the bitter end now. Uh, yeah. Uh, simping for McVeigh. Jets <laughs> taking on the Denver Broncos. Uh, we've gone for Jets across the board on this one. This is uh, not a great game. We would say uh, the Jets. You got to hope the defense is going to be able to hold up here and, and and keep them in this. Even though Denver's offense has looked a little bit better of late, the Jets themselves, their defense, lo- their their offense looked a good bit better against the Chiefs, and this Denver defense is utter and total garbage. So if you want to get a get right game for Wilson and get themselves back on track, this is the game to do it for Denver. They're swirling the toilet bowl. They managed to just about pull it out last week. Uh, they could definitely do it here at the Jets. It's like, this is going to take 60 solid minutes of concentration from the Jets' defense. But I think the morale on the team has turned around a little bit. And even if this, even though this is at Denver, I'm going to give them the win in this one. Uh, we got Kansas City taking on Minnesota next. Kansas City offense didn't look great last week outside of Pacheco, but can the offense get back on track against the Minnesota defense that has been underperforming? Kirk Cousins has uh, had a, an absolute mare last week, but overall this season has been playing pretty well from a statistical point of view at any rate. 
Justin Jefferson can go toe to toe with anyone. Kansas City don't really have like even the likes of McDuffie isn't good enough to go one on one with him. So you're going to have to put an extra man in them. So you might see a bit more work out of the secondary receivers as they try and take that away from them because currently their run game isn't anything to be too afraid of either. So I'm shading Kansas City as are a lot of us. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Like, like objectively, you have to pick the Chiefs because they're a winning team who wins games. And Minnesota have been very questionable, I would say, this year. But did we spend uh, but... all of our bribe money for the refs last week? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Minnesota have, like, poor juju, basically. Uh, the, the, the universe doesn't like them, and you can't pay off the universe, unfortunately. Um, but, like, look, Minnesota are the type of team that are definitely capable of having a stupid, dumb game where they somehow win this at home against Kansas City and are suddenly back being relevant again, which I don't think I don't really particularly want, uh, but uh, it's definitely possible. Um, as you say, Justin Jefferson could go for 150, 200 yards. Alexander Madison finally got going last uh, week. Now that Cam Akers is in there, maybe lighting a fire under him. Uh, you might want to see Jordan Addison make a few more plays. He was pretty quiet last week. And yeah, like Minnesota could definitely do something, but their defense is trash. You'd expect the Patrick Mahomes will bounce back after a tough outing last week and that Kansas City will take care of business because that's what they do. But uh, yeah, it could be a dumb game. Minnesota may be shaded, but you have to be Kansas City from an objective point of view. Yeah, no, the, the Chiefs obviously have struggled a few times this season, but they've generally struggled against good defenses, which are have got good schemes and have planned out and know exactly what they're doing, and the Vikings do not have that. And against a defense that is liable to crumble at any moment, that's that's Mahomes' territory. Like, he'll just he'll do his thing. And then on the, on the other side, I think we're seeing a real regression to the mean from the Vikings that, that all of last season was was, you know, a little bit, the universe being a little bit too generous and now it's pulling it all back. I just, it, the game comes down to the line. You've got Kirk Cousins on one side. You've got Pat Mahomes on the other. I know which side I'm backing. So, yeah. Plus it's a quarterback TV series showdown, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the winner plays Mariota. Yeah. Oh, God. At what? Like fucking foosball? <laughs> like yeah, a bit of uh, ultimate Frisbee out in Hawaii or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Cincinnati traveling off to Arizona, the surprisingly plucky Arizona team. Me and Ronan have gone for Arizona. Sean's gone for Cincinnati. Tell us about this Ronan. Yeah, it's a game that you probably would love to be more interested in, but it's just hard to watch this, this Cincinnati team right now. Like The, the defense isn't playing bad. Like uh, and The offense is just... You know, because we, we know what this can look like when Joe Burrow's healthy and they're firing all cylinders and what you have is such a pale imitation of what they should be and it's just kind of depressing to be frank so this is not a game i will be probably spending a lot of time in unless you start to see a turnaround here um on the other hand arizona have been out playing you know the talent on their roster they're playing hard every single week under jonathan gannon the offense under dobbs is looking pretty good i wouldn't know if he's actually good good yet but he's certainly into acceptable range and, and, and probably keeps his definitely keeps his position for a fair while yet um, and their defense has played pretty good considering the complete lack of talent they, they've managed to overperform there. So I'm going to give Arizona the chance to win here um, because I think they, they, they've earned some more wins given how they've played this year. And Cincinnati, just it's just really tough right now. It's really tough to pick them and watch them. Yeah. All, all of my picks, all my weird picks this week have been keeping the faith with the, the Pats and the Rams and the Texans in a negative in a te- Texans in a negative sense, I got to keep faith in their crap. <laughs> I just I can't give up on the Bengals yet. I, I have to believe that things will come right for them. And I just it's the Cardinals, man. They might be a little bit better than we thought, but I don't know. I have to believe that Bengals will come good. 
Arizona are spicy. Arizona are spicy. Uh, next up, Sean's pick of the week. I presumed I just put this thing because I imagined it. Uh, Dallas at San Francisco. This is obviously the big daddy NFC game that's happening. Uh, tell us about it, Sean. Yeah, definitely the perhaps the biggest game, regular season game we've seen so far this season in terms of what we will figure out about these two teams. That 49ers have looked as good as I as I thought they would be. Um, Christian McCaffrey is having an incredible season. The defense is ferocious. They're pulling apart everyone that they play. And the Cowboys, uh, that one weird game against the Cardinals aside, have looked really, really good defensively at least, and quite solid offensively. They're, they're, they've kind of rolled back the offense in terms of taking what they're given, um, just do the fundamentals, don't force it, would exa- it would place exactly towards um, Dak's strength. So this is a really fascinating game because we know the Cowboys are good, but we don't necessarily know how good, and we definitely know the Niners are good, but we want to see how someone like Brock Purdy does against this Dallas defense because per- because we've seen this Dallas defense just tear mediocre quarterbacks apart this year with, with Mac Jones, with Danny Dimes. Purdy is probably not going to be the guy who makes those kind of mistakes, but he could be forced into it. So it's going to be really interesting to see if if Purdy passes that test, if San Francisco offense as a whole passes this test against what is a, what I think is an incredibly elite defense. And the other side is how well will this Dallas offense do against a defense that will not just give them points um, that they're maybe going to have to start to take some risks, push some margins that they may not be comfortable with pushing so far this season. And therefore we could see some mistakes from Dak Prescott. So based on, I think the, the Niners are a more complete team or they look like a more complete team right now. There are fewer question marks on their side, their side of the ball, as opposed to the Cowboys side of the ball, which is why I have to give them the edge. But I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And I'm just, I'm more annoyed than anything else that it's, it's on at like 1am uh, and we're going to have to make decisions between staying up late till 4am watching it or trying to watch it while hungover in the morning in yeah. London. Um, but it's, it's going to be a great game and we're going to learn so much about these two teams. Yeah, like number one for Dallas defense, like, you know, prove it to us. Can you stop Christian McCaffrey? Because Christian McCaffrey has been absolutely ridiculous this season. Uh, you know, your shout, college, Sean, that he's a potential MVP candidate looks right on the money right now. He is the most valuable, best player, it feels like right now in the NFL on offense. And, you know, if they can do that, that's when things get interesting. That's when Ayuk, who's been pretty good this year, Debo, Kittle, and of course, Brock Purdy throwing to them. Can they get it done? Can Purdy do it when the lights are on, when you've got this defensive line coming after you and get it done? But all that doesn't matter if CMC is just getting like 5, 10, 15 yards on every single run slash uh, dump off that he gets off you. And of course, that Shanahan scheme is so ferocious. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to see it. And for Dallas, I think just the offense has been up and down. It had one really bad down week two weeks ago you definitely don't want to see them have that type of uh, outcome again against obviously a very good Francisco defense i think they just need to keep churning along and hope they score 20 plus points and keep it close but uh, san francisco are the the cream of the cream it feels like so far this year um and definitely uh, worth the pick from all of us uh, i feel like for this week yeah like you're gonna want to see a big cd lamb game here if you're to see dallas stay in this i think and um, pollard as well yeah Pollard as well, but I think I think the explosiveness is what they're going to need to show because as Sean was saying there hasn't been as much of that of late. Like whenever they lost to the card to the Cardinals, it was that like they they basically just covered Lamb with two guys, so he didn't really have too many options out there and then like just force them to run a lot and it just didn't work for them so i think you need to see lamb getting himself free maybe you need to see 
some of the secondary like Gallup or whatever step up a little Cooks. bit more. But yeah, like you're gonna you're gonna need explosion from Dallas because I think San Francisco is gonna be able to reliably score, is my guess. So Dallas yeah. seems to be able to reliably score as well. It's not a great sign that they're <coughs> probably second best weapon in the past game right now is like the tight end Jake Ferguson. Like you have you you got Brandon Cooks, you got Michael Gallup, those guys have shown stuff in the past. Maybe, yeah, as you said, they, they might be important if they're going to show up here. Yeah, and finally, Monday Night Football, Green Bay taking on Las Vegas in the... Oh, yeah, those guys, Bull. Um, we've gone for Green Bay across the hey, board here. Devontae Adams' revenge game. Devontae Adams is probably injured and not playing this game, is my guess, if the shoulder <laughs> the injury is anything to go by. Uh, okay. But, yeah, so we've got... It's Jimmy... revenge against the Raiders. It's not revenge against the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I told Why you to you trade, trade for me. me? <laughs> Um, Jimmy G is out Adams is likely out so it's going to be an understaffed Las Vegas offense who are probably going to be leaning heavy on Josh Jacobs and hopefully getting some of the last year's production and last week's production out of him again obviously Green Bay they've had a up and down start with love but they have started to put together bits and pieces like the problem is it, it it's never been a full game so far really so can he do that throughout we'll have jones back hopefully now fully healthy because he didn't do much in the last game and uh they've got you know between christian watson and dubs they have decent enough weapons on the outside maybe they might finally get luke musgrave going but uh yeah these are these are very much a battle of also rants uh anything you guys yeah. want to say about it I, I think Green Bay, they have more potential, right? Because they're such a young team. They're a team I'm keeping tabs on. But I think if we're going to invest anything more than being like, okay, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, then they need to beat teams like Vegas and preferably in a comprehensive manner. As you say, Vegas will probably have a bunch of injuries having an effect, either people missing time or being not 100% on the field. And these are the types of the games you expect Green Bay to win if they are the kind of solid to, to, to above solid team that we kind of think they probably are but you know Jordan Love is perfectly capable of doing his own set of incredibly dumb stuff but I'm going to put my fate that Josh McDaniel somehow can find some additional way to lose games and uh, Green Bay get it done here on the road yeah when we talk about the Dalton line and quarterback I think I think we have the, the Vegas line in terms of just mediocrity if you can beat Vegas you are an above average team and I think that's what the Packers are kind of aiming for if they lose this game I mean, then then it's a bad place to be because I just, I just this Vegas team is just so it's just so uninteresting as as a project. Um, whereas at least the Packers have, it's flawed, but it's like there is something coming together here, and I want to see that develop. So I, I think morally, the universe needs the Packers to win this game so that we escape the mediocrity. Yeah, it will be nice. It would be nice, but, you know, sometimes we can't have nice things. Uh, so, yeah, I'd normally say, what are we up to for the weekend? But uh, should we all know? Landing. Up to landing. Landing. Uh, yeah, should be uh, should be good fun now. Kind of uh, excited for it. I enjoyed the stadium the last time we were there. Uh, our seats look pretty, pretty nice. And, uh, yeah, I think we've got a nice itinerary. Uh, going to go see some dinosaurs. Going to go to the fan experience and probably try out some field goal kicking and stuff. That'll be fun. Yeah, could be the next great Irish kicker. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling I won't be. I don't think kicking <laughs> will be my strength. Um, but, yeah, no, it should be should be good fun and lovely pints. We'll have to catch the Ireland-Scotland rugby match and stuff, so it should be uh, should be good fun. Looking forward to it. Ah, yeah. I suppose on that lovely note, we will wrap up for this week. So, uh, for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Roland. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.